Thanks for jumping on here to our online location. Listen, no matter where you're watching this from, no matter how you're watching it, we're just glad that you are. We're believing God's going to do some amazing things. I love that song, Reckless Love. He's coming for you. He's good. He's got good things for you. And we are believing that for you and for us this morning. And through this technology, we're believing that God's got something amazing for you as you watch this today. We're in our series, How to Be Victors, and the next two talks in this series kind of tie in together. It's in Ephesians chapter 6 again. We're going to look at that, and I got three things that are really going to help prepare you to be a victor no matter what happens in life. Three Three things that will help you face it and come out victorious, and I'm excited to get to those. We're going to build up to it, though, so I hope the anticipation is building for you. Uh, we've, we've got something good here. Let's just pray. Clearly, I need it right now. We're going to pray, and then we're just going to get into it. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your love for us. It's so amazingly described in the parables in Luke that are portrayed in that song, Reckless Love, that we all just worship together with. And it's just a good reminder of who you are, of, of how far you have moved for us. And we're thankful that for the Son, your Son, that you've sent to the cross for us, the empty tomb that is for us. As we jump into your word today and this talk about how to be victors and the gear we have available to us through you to face the battles we have to face. Would you just supernaturally speak through your word? Remove me from the equation. Help us to understand truth about you, truth about life following you. Help us to start to experience the victories in our life that come from following you. Just make yourself clear and known to each of us right now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I took a speech class in college. It was a class that I took kind of lightly because I'm just not that uncomfortable speaking in front of people. I don't know if you figured that out yet or not. But as far as, I, as long as I can remember, I've just never been afraid to be in front of people, speaking to people. As long as I'm comfortable with the atmosphere, I can be pretty comfortable on the stage. And so I had the speech class that I sort of wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't taking it too seriously. And so when the assignments got dealt out that we were going to have to give a 15-minute speech that most of our grade was going to be based on and that these speeches were going to be given over the next couple of weeks, I didn't prepare. I didn't prepare at all because I thought, well, what are the chances that I'm going to be called the very first week to give my speech to the entire class. So when I showed up to that class and the teacher told us at the very beginning of it that I was going to be the third message that day if we had time, the third speech that day if we had time, I, had, I completely panicked. That's what being unprepared does to you. It makes you panic. It makes you stress out. It doesn't matter how good you are at winging it. When you are caught completely unprepared, it'll mess you up and your anxiety will go through the roof. You know what I'm saying because you've experience some things in your life that you have been completely unprepared to deal with. 
and you have faced that kind of anxiety. I sat there in the back of that class scratching out some notes on some paper, like trying to figure out. I didn't even have a subject picked out. Pure anxiety. I prayed. I've never prayed. I know some of you sit at home and you're praying like, I hope this sermon's short. I, I was praying that the two students before me would just go long. Just go, just go long. Like just run over the time so there's no time for me at the end of it. It wouldn't happen. I sat there scribbling out some thoughts on paper, just putting a couple bullet points together for what I thought I could wing a speech. I got up in front of the class. I put on this fake facade of confidence. I acted like I had written this speech three months ago, had delivered it six times already, and was preparing to give it to Congress. Like I acted, talk about fake it till you make it. I faked it till I made it, and I pulled it off. The teacher after class, like, she came to me and she said, man, uh, Josh, I don't know if I should give you an A or an F on that paper. I feel like I should give you an A because you delivered it so well, but I also feel like I should give you an F because I'm not sure if you just pulled that, well, you, you know where I would have pulled that out of. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I left that not feeling great about it. Not, I, I didn't really care that I got an F. It had traumatized me. I, I, I left. Now I over-prepare for this stuff all the time. Like I can't stop preparing for this stuff, thinking about it. I'm already thinking about what we're going to talk about like next week. It's really hard to get that out of my head while I'm delivering this one this week. Like it, it messed me up because being prepared, man, it takes the trauma, some of the trauma away. It has you ready for what you face and being unprepared. It, all it does is escalate your anxiety and the fear in your response. It happens in life. On the other hand, I was a soccer player in college and I would spend time before every game visualizing shots and saving them. And I was a goalkeeper and watch, taking, taking practice in my head as I calmed myself before the game uh, saving corner kicks and doing everything perfect in my mind as I practiced the game before I had it, I was prepared. And you know what being prepared does? It, it makes your reaction time so much quicker. It has you sharpen your decision-making before you actually have to make the decisions you have to make. Now, there's some things that come into life that it seems like you cannot be prepared for. Like, I don't know, a pandemic, for instance. But you can be prepared in your heart and soul and mind for anything. And it largely has to do with what gear you got. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. How God provides you with the tools, the gear, the armor to win any battle you have to face, to, to seize the victory that he has for you. He provides you with the tools you need. It's just about learning how to use them and how to prepare yourself with them. Listen, Saul was this king in Israel when they met a foe in one of the biggest battles ever recorded. Maybe you've heard the story of David and Goliath. David was not yet king. This was his first 
kind of really epic victory that would lead to the trajectory of his life towards his appointment as king really picking up some speed. The victories would start piling up and he would have to go through some very difficult circumstances still. But this big win against Goliath, man, it was like just right out there spotlight his faith on display for everyone to see and the impact it would have on his kingdom and his reach and his influence it would just be enormous God would do some really cool things after this and he would have some difficult days but his biggest win and maybe his his first win was here against the Philistine Goliath, David and Goliath, little guy against the giant. Goliath stood so tall and so towering that he scared the entire nation of Israel's army who was lined up opposing him. King Saul sat unsure of what to do in fear, not knowing how they would take on Goliath as he came out and he taunted him every day. Like, who's going to come out one-on-one and fight me? I'll destroy you. You will all be mine. Your God's got nothing on me. Taunting them over and over and over again. David was sent from the fields to deliver some food to his brothers who were on the line. He comes up and he hears this atrocity and it offends him to his soul. Who is threatening my God? Who is making fun of my God? Why is no one standing up to this guy? He may be a giant, but he's just a man. David, he comes up and he says, I'll fight him. None of you will fight him. I'll fight him. The shepherd boy from the fields. He'd never been to war. It's his first battle. Saul says to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are but a youth and he has been a man of war from his youth. Like you ain't never faced this before, David. I want you to hear that right now because some of you, I want this to echo in your head. Some of you, you're facing some fights that you have not seen coming. You've never, it's your first time up against it. This is all of our first times up against a pandemic. It's maybe your first time up against a marriage that's fallen apart. It may be your first time up against some kids who are just walking away and making some terrible choices. Maybe this is the first time you're staring down a struggle with addiction. Maybe it's the first time you're dealing with some health news. Maybe it's the first time you're dealing with loss in your life. Maybe it's the first time you're grieving something. Some of you, it's your first time fighting this battle. And Saul, he points that out. He's like, hey, this is your first fight. What are you talking about? You can't do this. You've never been up against this before. And if you've never been up against this before, I got really good news for you. You may not have fought this fight against this thing, but God has been preparing you for this battle and he's been giving you the tools you need to come out the other side victorious. Somebody better get all up excited in your living room watching this right now. You're looking at a circumstance that scares you and makes you feel defeated and you don't even know that God's already prepared you for this. Maybe you've never even stepped on this kind of battlefield. Maybe you've never even got these kind of treatments before. Maybe you've never had to approach your finances the way you're approaching them right now. But you need to take a little joy and peace from this message. Because it may be your first fight with this enemy. But God's got you. And he's prepared you. David, he comes out and he says, listen, Saul, like you don't understand. Your servant, I used to keep sheep for the father for my father. 
And when there was a lion or a bear that came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him. I struck him down. It may not have been Goliath, but it's nothing to mess with. And I delivered it out, the lamb, out of its mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of of this Philistine. Hold up. Hold up. I've been through some stuff. I've been through some stuff. I've been through some moments that have scared me to death. I've been through some moments that have been pretty dangerous. I've been through some moments where I almost didn't make it. Some moments that could have cost me my life. Yeah, it's not this battle, but God got me through those. And maybe... Through all the battles you've been fighting, through all the losses, through all the struggles, through all the heartaches, through all the uncertainty, through all the dark nights, through all the little wins, throughout all the small victories, maybe God has been preparing you for this fight that lies in front of you so that you can claim the victory he has for you. It wasn't just about the tools he used. You see, he would, he would go into battle with a slingshot and some stones. He would go into battle with his ridiculous his staff, his shepherd's staff. Saul would take him and ta- Saul dressed him up in, in his armor. He said, all right, you can do it, fine. Like, you're, you're good speech, I get it. You took out a bear, huh, that's a little crazy. You grabbed it by the beard, I didn't know a bear had a beard. That's even crazier. Like, listen, so... So, so fine, but you, you can't go into this fight the way you always have gone into this fight. You can't go into the, you need, you need my, my armor. You need to put on this fancy armor. So Saul gives him this helmet that's too big because he's just a kid, right? And like his armor and his breastplate is just hanging off him. It's probably like so much room he's swimming in it. The belt probably didn't fit. They probably had to cinch it extra tight. It's been a while since I had to do that. Like they probably like had a bunch of things, right? And like it's, it's, David tries to walk around in him, and it's clumsy, and it doesn't fit, and the sword's too heavy, and it, he's like, I can't. I haven't tested. I haven't had a chance to test this stuff. I'm going to go with the stuff that I've tested. I'm going to go with the stuff that God has already given me, the gear he's already given me. The, the tools he's already used in my life. You know, your greatest weapon are the gifts that God has already given to you. Maybe you can't see it because your view of yourself has been trashed by your circumstances or people around you or by your own thinking. But you have been gifted by God with some really beautiful and unique gifts that he wants to use. You already have the tools that he wants to use in your life to bring about victory. He's given you the gifts. He's created you unique. He's given you a heart, a personality, and all of these things that have been tested along your journey. And just go with what has been tested. 
David, he goes out, he grabs a slingshot, he has his staff, he collects a couple stones, smooth from the thing, he goes out. Philistine comes out, mocks him, and mocks God again, and David tells him what he's going to do, and grabs a slingshot, and gives this awesome little speech. You can go read it. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and takes a slingshot and wings one at Goliath and hits him in the head and knocks him down. And David takes up his sword and usually don't get to this part in Sunday school class and cuts off the head of the giant. I just clear to see the victory had been won. David, this incredible story of using what God had given him and had prepared him with. It wasn't just the stuff. It wasn't just the slingshot. It wasn't just the stones. It wasn't just the staff. You see, it was all that God had done in his life so far. It was all he had been through in his life so far that God used in this moment for victory. And it's all that you've been through. It's all that God has gifted you with. It's all of the lessons you've learned along the way. It's all of the testing. It's all of the moments that you thought you weren't going to make it. It's all of the heartbreak that you've had to walk through. It's all of the pain that you've had to suffer. It's the losses that you've taken. It's the wins that you've collected. No matter how small they are, he wants to use all of it to bring about victory. You got the gear you need. You got the gear you need. He's been providing you with what you need. In Ephesians, it lays this stuff out. Some of this so beautiful. Ephesians chapter 6, and it's this passage that we've been kind of walking through starting last week in this series, this little glimpse. And it says this, it says, therefore, since Therefore, in verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. We already talked about how we don't often fight the real fight. The real fight is not with people. It's not with government. It's not with system. The real fight is with an enemy who is real and out to devour us and to lie to us. And he's a thief. But take heart for the one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. It goes on and it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We might as well just review it since I just started reading at 12. But against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's a big fight. And your fight dictates your gear. You can't fight this stuff with rants on Facebook. It may make you feel better in, in the moment. But it doesn't really help you, and it doesn't win, and it doesn't help you win. <laughs> and that feeling, the discontent just slides right back in. You can't win this by, by manipulating people. It's not, it's not a fight that you can win by manipulating people. It's not a fight you can win by posturing. It's not a fight you can win by faking it until you make it. It's not a fight that you can win by talking behind somebody's back or trying to win support and by, by people jumping onto your bandwagon or your soapbox. Like, it's not, you've you got to fight this fight with the right gear. It's not that stuff. I know it's easy. I've done it. I'm not. I'm not judging you if you've done it. I'm just saying. The things that make us feel good temporarily don't really lead to contentment. And sometimes we're not just fighting the wrong fight, but we're fighting the wrong fight with the wrong gear. 
This passage goes on to say what we should fight this fight with because it's a big fight, because the fight dictates the tools, the gear, the weaponry you use. You can't fight this stuff with that stuff. It's too big and the enemy is too great. You, can, you can't fight this with pride or powering up. So, so it tells us what to fight it with. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. It says in verse 14, stand firm, therefore, having fastened on the belt. Now, it's going to give us six things in here. We got three today, and we got three next week. These three today are really important, and they're broken up into three and three for a reason. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness of the gospel of peace. So you got three things right there. It will go on to talk about the sword and the shield and the helmet. And it's divided into two sections because, one, these first three are the long-term prep. You never took this stuff off in battle. You wouldn't carry around your shield or your sword, and you wouldn't wear your helmet all the time when you were in the battlefield and, and at camp and the battlefield, but all the time you would wear your breastplate, you would wear your shoes, the shoes you would wear to prepare you for battle, and you would wear um, your shoot, I just, your belt of truth. Three things preparing you. Three things to play the long game when it comes to fighting the battles that you face. Three things that you have to have all the time because you don't know when the arrow's going to fly from the bushes. Because you don't know when life is going to take a cheap shot at you. Because you don't know when, surprise, you're under attack. Three essential things to have on you all the time to prepare you for victory. The first one is the belt of truth. This is so important because the belt, what they would use to be a belt over their, all, all their armor, it would be what held everything together. The belt of truth helps you keep it all together. Like hashtag dad life. My kids will often come in when I'm not wearing the belt or I'm not wearing the right belt. They would have this little song that they would hear them humming like, Everyone can see your B-U-T-T. <laughs> and I would know, like, hey, man, like, my belt is probably not functioning right. And uh, ain't nobody want to see that. Like, there's times where I, I just, like, the other day, I was, like, lifting some rocks at the house in the yard, the crazy things we do during this season of life. And I knew my, all my, we, my in-laws were over socially distancing in the yard, doing some stuff, and just, just practicing really good care with social distancing. want to be clear about that. And I'm like, I know my belt's not functioning right and my butt crack is sticking out, but I can't do anything about it. Like, it's nobody wants to see that. Hashtag dad life. Come on, dads. You're with me. Don't judge. Don't judge. It's all of you dads out there. I don't care. Like, so it's, <laughs> nobody wants to see that. The belt is what holds it all together. It keeps it all in place. And, and this is the very first thing that's mentioned here. Stand firm, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth. Put your pants on right. Put the piece of your life together that's going to keep 
everything where it should be. It's going to keep you from falling apart. Nobody wants to see your life as it falls apart because you don't have the right belt on, and the right belt on is truth. The truth that trumps how I feel about things. So I don't come up here and just share my opinions on life. So why this is so much more important because this is the truth from which we live. So I don't rant on Facebook about my opinions. If you do that, I'm not judging. I'm just saying I don't because I'd rather use my voice to share the truth of this because the truth is what helps you keep it all together when your life's circumstances make it feel like everything's going to fall apart. For example, the truth of knowing your value to God that he would move mountains for you. That, that, like that reckless love song, that he would send his son to a cross for you, that he values you that much. That truth, it helps you keep it together when the people around you would trash your value, when they would make it seem like you're not important, when they would degrade you or humiliate you, when circumstances would make you feel like a loser. Knowing the truth helps you keep it all together. I have value no matter what. Knowing who God says I am, no matter what. When people say other things about me, when my circumstance, knowing what God says about me, it's the truth that helps me keep it all together. Knowing who God is, knowing that He is unchanging, even though all of my circumstances change, it helps me keep it all together. You see how truth, truth matters. The truth of who God is and who he says you to, to be. It matters so much because in the midst of crazy circumstances, surprise attacks, battles you didn't anticipate, truth has you prepared and it has you remembering who you are to God and how good God has been to you, how good he still is, that he is the unchanging God. Truth helps you keep it together. The second thing in this passage it says is the breastplate of righteousness. This is such an important piece of armor. It would wrap all around people. It would cover up all of the vitals beneath the head. It would go from the belt all the way up to the neck, sometimes high up on the neck, and cover all of the vital organs. It's not the breastplate like at the barbecue. This is the breastplate that'll keep all of your vitals covered it's also what's your biggest target. You see, they, they would know, the archers would know, like they, they're going to aim for the biggest part of the opposition. That's who they're going to attack. That's where they're going to attack first. It's the biggest target for all of us, not just for me. It's the biggest target for all of us, the breastplate. It protects the vitals. In, in his, Jewish history, they would say that, you know, your heart is the seat for all of your emotions and your, your, your well-being or all of that stuff would be found in that area. And it's often where we get attacked most. We get attacked emotionally. You're feeling emotionally worn out. I know a lot of us are. I know I have been. We get attacked in our 
in our emotions and how we think about those things and how we live and how we feel about life. And it's like this never-ending roller coaster when our circumstances are turned upside down. The breastplate of righteousness protects you where it matters most in your vital organs. And this kind of righteousness it's talking about here is practical righteousness. You see, there is a righteousness that is imparted to you by the work of Jesus on the, Christ, on the cross when you accept that, a forgiveness that through his grace is just granted to you, a righteousness that is just a cloak you wear. It's what God sees when he sees you. This righteousness that the breastplate is referring to is talking about how you live, practical righteousness. How you live either fortifies you and protects you, or it puts you at risk. The decisions you make day in, they put you at risk, or do they strengthen you? Do they put your marriage at risk because you're flirting with people you shouldn't be flirting with, or you're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at, you're investing emotionally in people you shouldn't be investing emotionally, or do they strengthen your marriage? The way you live, does it strengthen your friendships? Because your friends, not a negative word, will come out of your mouth with their name attached to it to others because you'd refuse to gossip, because you always seek them out first and seek the truth in love. Does it strengthen your friendships or does it weaken it? Because the way you live, you're always just trying to please the person you're in front of, even at the cost of other important people in your life. Does how you live strengthen your ability to work or does it weaken it? Do the decisions you make strengthen your health or weaken your health? Does it put you at risk of addiction or does it keep Keep you walking in a way where you are growing stronger. Do you see how this breastplate of righteousness, how you live and the choices you make, they either strengthen you or they put you at risk. And if you're living at risk, I pray you don't fall. I pray God in his grace protects you. But you know what's really good? To start to make some decisions that are just wise, that protect us, that keep us safe. You see, how you live, it either strengthens you or it makes you vulnerable. The last thing is your shoe game. Like the shoe game mentioned here, you always need to have the right shoes on. Listen, you can't take flip-flops to a track meet. You just don't wear flip-flops when you're running down sprints with your others. First of all, you look ridiculous. You probably will trip, and it's going to make a really weird sound as you're flop-flop-flopping down the track. You don't wear, like you don't wear, you don't wear dockers. To, to a dance-off. You, <laughs> you don't wear tap shoes to play hide-and-seek. You never wear Crocs with socks. You also never should wear Birkenstocks. That rhyme, that's a good little rhyme right there. I don't care if I offended your fashion sense. The right shoes matter because they give you traction. They steady you. They provide support. You can't fight if you can't stand. You can't attack when you need to attack if you can't dig in and run. You can't hold firm if you get pushed and knocked over. Anytime, like wearing Crocs on wet grass, you go down. The footing matters, and this shoe game is what, what prepares our feet, what gives traction to our life, what makes our life more than just living day to day, what makes our life movement, what makes our life 
of legacy, what makes our life impactful, what makes our life valued to those around us is being prepared by the good news, the gospel of peace, that God loves us and sent His Son for us, that His Son died on a cross to offer us forgiveness, that we have hope no matter what circumstances lay ahead of us because after three days in the ground, Christ rose again. This is the essence. It's the most essential truth in all of the Bible. The gospel of peace is that God is for you and he loves you no matter who you are and that love demonstrated on that cross and that hope because of an empty tomb it allows you to stand and to dig in and to get traction with every step your life takes it makes your life into something beautiful. And that gospel is something that we got to keep reminding ourselves of. God is for us and the cross is proof. The empty tomb seals the deal. Three things, man, and it's just time to put it on. Three essential pieces of armor value the belt of truth. It'll help you hold it all together. Remember the truth of who God is and the truth of who He is and seek out His truth in this. Use your voice for this truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness by making some good, wise choices. Live in such a way that protects you and protects the people around you instead of putting you at risk by making so-so choices, chasing down fleeting moments. And always remember the gospel is what makes your life into a movement. Put it on. You can put it on right now. Start small. Start with the very next right decision. If that gospel isn't yours, accept it as yours right now. If you've been making some bad decisions in how you live, start making some right decisions right now. Start valuing truth above opinion and spend some time reminding yourself of it. And in that way, you will have put on the first Three pieces of spiritual armor that are big enough for this big fight that God will use in your life to bring about victory no matter what you're facing. I'm praying for you. I hope you put on this stuff right now. Would you pray with me for a second? God, thank you so much that you give us this armor and these first three things are so important and so good. Would you help us to, to focus on these three things this week and take small step, steps in their direction that the gospel of who you are, the good news, the gospel of peace would prepare us, that we would make decisions and live in such a way that protects us and always has us prepared, that we would always have truth to hold it all together so that no matter what pops up into our life, we are ready to seize the victory you have for us. Like David, we can step out onto the battlefield with a giant in front of us and know that victory is ours because of you. We thank you for your love. I'm getting excited. So we better just say thank you for your love and the cross. And in Jesus' name, amen.